sermon. Uh, I, I wanted to do some talks, and, and I've been thinking about this probably since last August and writing scruffy notes. Um, I wanted to do some talks about things that are really us, things that are part of our culture. Who are we? What are, what are we like? And so what I started off doing a talk on welcoming because it, I, I like to ask people that are new after the service, were you welcomed? Because uh, I think that's a really good question. People get surprised when you ask it. But because but, when you're sort of part of a church, you know people, at least you know some, you can't know everybody, but you know a good number of people. So you sort of feel welcome because you find someone that you know. But, but when you're new, it's a weird feeling. I remember a few years ago, an evangelist asked me to go to, uh, walk, spend 20 minutes or so in a bookie's office. So I, did, I went to Tewkesbury, so I didn't want anyone to see me in town. I was a bit embarrassed. So I went down to Tewkesbury and went into, um, I went into a betting shop. And, 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 and it was just like I imagine it feels to go to a church where you don't know anyone. Because uh, uh, I, I lasted my 15 minutes, but I didn't know what all the numbers meant. I didn't know what the stuff on the screen meant. Uh, everybody else seemed to know people, and I didn't know anyone. And I, and I didn't know how they were behaving and what all the slips were for. Um, so I know some of you could educate me, but don't bother. I'm not that interested. The, the point is, it's really good to be welcoming. So I started off doing a talk about being welcoming, and then I realized that really that's not the point. That behind that, because to be honest... I go swimming a couple of times a week for the good of my lungs, and uh, they're very friendly too. Th they are. They're, they're very friendly. They're, they're, they're nice people. Uh, and they say, nice to see you again, and things like that. I don't think they even know my name, but it's nice to see me again because I pay me money, and, and they're taught to be friendly. That's, that's good service. So, so are, are we just like a religious form of the, le the leisure center? Oh, is that all it is? And Actually, if you dig behind that, there's a reason that we're friendly now of course churches want to be friendly because they want people to go to them you know that's otherwise i'd be lonely on my own really but but behind that there's more to that it's it's actually about honoring people so i want to ask it's a slightly bigger question i want to ask who do we honor now that might be something you've never thought about before but actually the new testament has the word honor 75 times so, so a lot more than the word hell or any of that sort of stuff, 75 times. So I, I, I want to just establish, if you like, the, the biblical principle about honoring, which, and the word means to give respect or to give value to something or someone. To honor someone is to give them the respect they're due, to, to value them in, in, in particular ways, whatever it means to value someone. Now, I don't watch Antiques Roadshow. just want to be quite clear. I'm old, but I haven't quite got to that state. Ah, there's a few people. There's no need to, do, no need to be ashamed. Oh, it's Jim. Oh, okay. okay, it's good. Okay, we like it. Okay, well, I don't usually watch it, but something else was coming on afterwards. So I put on that channel a few Sundays ago, and someone had a, a little sort of ornamental bit of pear blossom, I think it was. Some, you know, there was a stalk. It was in what looked like glass. There was a stalk, some little branches off, and some blossoms on it. It was a pear blossom. And uh, it came for valuation. And it turned out that it, be, it had been presented, I've got to read this, it had been presented to uh, what's now the Royal Worcester Regiment when it was the Queen's own Royal Hussars by uh, George Georgina, Countess of Dudley. I know, that's what I thought. 
Anyway, it turns out they brought it in, brought it along. Turns out it's worth a million squid. A million pounds, I know, and the, the bit that looked like glass was some see-through crystal, and it was, and it was made by Fabergé, who was, uh, it is, a, you know, was, he's dead now, but he was a world-famous jeweler, for those that don't understand. So here was something brought along, thinking, this is pretty, it's got some jewelry bits on it, but actually every little bit of blossom was a diamond, and it was all a, a gold, and it was made by this famous jeweler. It was worth a million pounds. Now, I don't know how they brought it, to the, to the Antiques Roadshow, but I know they took it back differently. <laughs> Why? Because they were honouring its value. They were respecting it in new ways. I, I heard about someone that bought a blanket. They bought this blanket, thought, oh, that's a bit folksy. I like that, be good. Put it on the back of the sofa. They bought it at a boot sale, shoved through it in the back of the boot, took that to a different Antiques Roadshow on a different program. It turns out it was a rare Navarro, Indian, Navarro, Indian blanket. It was worth 500,000. Now, I bet you, whatever you like, it didn't get thrown in the boot on the way home. Why? Because they now attach to it a proper, accurate value. That's right, isn't it? When we value things, we respect them in a different way. Even if you didn't like the wretched blanket. Even if your wife bought it and you thought, what you bought that for? You'd value it in a different way, wouldn't you? On the way home to the way there. Honour. Now, so I want to ask the question, who do we honour? And the, f the first one is, I suppose, obvious for a Christian church is we honour God. We honour God. Let me read to you Revelation 4 verse uh, 11, where it's a picture into heavenly worship, if you like. A and they're singing and it says, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honour, for you created all things. So we honour God. Why? Because he made us. And then a bit uh, in the next chapter, Ch Revelation 5 verse 9. You are worthy because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God pe persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. So there are two reasons why we honour, why we value, why we worship, why we respect God. The first is he created every one of us. Mel read out that verse from Psalm 139 this morning. You put me together. Literally, you embroidered me in the secret place within my mother's womb. God made me. We know how, a bit about how the biology works, but you as a person were made by God. So we worship him because he created us, and we worship him because Jesus died for us. They're the two reasons given in, in that, that passage in, in Revelation. Why do we honor God? Because he made us all. In him we live and move and have our being. The next breath you have is dependent on the almighty God. The whole universe is sustained by the word of his power. He created all things. He could stop all things tomorrow, wrap it up like a garment and one day his will and remake the heavens and the earth. We're dependent on him. So we honor him because he created us and we honor him because he sent his son Jesus to die for us, to take our sins upon himself so that we could get his rightness as a free gift. That's why we honor him. Now people ask the question, what's wrong with the world? And there's lots of different ways of answering that. But Romans 1.21 puts it like this. 
although they knew God, they didn't glorify, same word, or honor him or give thanks to him because their foolish hearts were darkened. So the failure to honor God is what's gone wrong with us. We went our own way, failing to respect and value God. And that that passage goes on in Romans to say, all of society crumbles when God is no longer honored. When God is no longer honored, it doesn't matter what he thinks. So we behave how we want. Uh, and, And Romans 1, if I haven't got time to go into it, it talks about a spiral downwards that begins with godlessness. When we don't honor God, later on, sooner or later down the spiral comes wickedness. Why? Because there's no reason to behave. Oh, bless him. No reason to behave at all. When we give, alternatively, when we give space to God and honor him in our lives, actually the kingdom advances. Failure to honor God increases the darkness in our minds, and later on in our bodies, our behavior. That's the sort of spiral in Romans 1. I haven't got time to go into that now. So how do we honor God? Well, Romans 1 is the starting point where, where it talks about giving thanks. They failed to give thanks to God. That's a basic thing. To honor him is to give thanks to him. And D- Demas did a really good talk a few weeks ago about the importance of thanksgiving. Here's another one. We did it in our worship this morning. It's just to pause. Just to pause. Just to still our heart. Psalm 46 verse 10 puts it like this. Be still and just know I'm God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. It's a great thing, isn't it? Just to, t- I don't know how we cope in, in our modern world. It's pretty busy, pretty pressured. Quite a number of people here are parents. And so there's, there's always something. You get home from work and there's not the... There's not a pause, there's an avalanche of other things. <laughs> but but to, to somehow find a way in our lives to pause, to press pause and, and be still and know that he is God is so important. It's a way of honoring him, even in the midst of busy lives. To worship him, because he is our creator and he is our savior. That's how we honor him. We talked last week or the week before about Honoring God with our resources. From Pro- Proverbs 3 verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops. When we give, we're saying to God, you are more valuable than all the stuff I have or could have bought. That's, that's a very simple thing, isn't it? When we haven't got it anymore, we're saying, I'm honoring you. You're more important than that ABC that I could have bought with that. You're more important. I'm honoring you. I'm honoring you by giving and not having. I'm honoring you by trusting I can do more with the less than I could have with the more. I'm honoring God. We, we honor him by speaking well of him to others. By giving our testimony, by telling our story, by not being ashamed of the good news of Jesus. We honor him by putting him first every day. So we, we honor God. I hope that's clear. I think that's what we're supposed to do. I don't know how we're doing at that. God knows, but I don't know. How are we doing at honoring him, putting him first, giving him thanks, pressing pause and knowing he's God, honoring him with our stuff, speaking well of him, trusting him, putting him first every day. Here's a second thing to do with honor that I've discovered. And you have to understand this rightly, but we need to honor ourselves. 
Mel actually touched on that this morning in what, what she shared. There's a right place for honoring yourself. I'm not saying, look at me, not, not saying that at all, but honoring yourself. And, and that's what the psalmist is sort of doing in Psalm 139, verse 14. I praise you, so still the glory is going to God, but I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I look in the mirror sometimes and think, blimey, fearful. But, but actually, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God, God put me together. Now, I know, I know some of us are thinking, and I do sometimes, but I wish he hadn't made my ears quite so sticky out. But that's just the way they are, you know. So some of us will be thinking, it could have made me a bit slimmer, fatter, thinner, brighter, more intelligent, less intelligent, whatever. But actually, he made you. And that gives you value. So, so we're not nothing. We're made, the Bible actually says, we're made in the image of God. Now, I know for some of us, the image is a bit cracked. I know we're a bit of a, we're magnificent, but we're a bit ruined, you know, we're a magnificent ruin. I know all of that, but we're still made in the image of God. And that gives every person dignity. So, what's the follow-on from that? The, the, the follow-on is this, we must learn not to tear ourselves down with negativity. Oh, I'm rubbish. No, you're not rubbish. You made a mistake. Do you see what I'm saying? So, some, it's the way we, we think sometimes. We must learn not to tear ourselves down with negativity. We may be spoiled, but we're made in the image of God. He made us. Psalm 8 verse 5, 5 says, You put mankind just a little lower than angels. You crown them, talking to God, you crown them with glory and honor. So God looks on you and, and honors you. He made you just a little lower than the angels. They're pretty bright and sparkly. But he made you just a little lower and he's crowned you with glory and honor. God made us so we're valuable. Some, some of us need to write that on a bit of paper and take it as a prescription twice a day. Before or after meals, doesn't matter. Honestly, it's, it's a prescription of truth. God made me. God values me. Of course, because of the, the, the ruin that our own sin and others' sin does to us, we make mistakes. But Christ died for that. Because we've made mistakes doesn't make us not valuable. It makes us valuable because he died for us. He paid a price for you because he values you. He loves you. Do we see that? So, so I'm talking to those who think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just to this or I'm just to that. The Bible says, who can bring any charge against God's people that have been chosen by him? Who could, who could bring, you think, oh, sometimes the person that's most against us is ourselves. Oh, but I thought that. Oh, but I'd be embarrassed if they knew that I did that or said that or thought that. Yeah, probably. Might not be any worse than the person three people in the long row has said or thought or done, but... So, so, okay, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all that rubbish. And so we can step forward and say, yeah, who can make any charge against me? Because God has forgiven me. God, the only person that could, could condemn you is the person that's lived a completely pure life. And what does he say? He says, I love you and I died for you. 
And he's the only one that's got it right. And he's not condemning you, so why are you condemning yourself? Simon Holly, who's uh, the guy you saw in the video just now, leads our little group of churches. He said this, and I love this quote, there is no yeah but in his love for you. I think that's great, isn't it? Isn't that what we sometimes think? Yeah, but. I know know he loves me. I know it says it in the Bible, but. No, no, there is no yeah, but in his love for you. Because our identity is not based on our performance, but on who God says we are. Jesus died for all the mess. The mess is real. Not saying we're all wonderful people. The mess is real, but he died for it. So we can receive his welcome and his value on you. We don't have to compare yourselves with others. It's important to understand that God values and welcomes you. And actually that makes a big difference to how we're able to welcome people amongst us on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening or a Friday night in our different congregations. See, if you know that God genuinely loves and welcomes and values you, it's so much easier to pay it forward and value and welcome other people, isn't it? And, and the other way is true. If you're not sure that God welcomes and values and loves you, it's rather hard to offer it to others. So it's really important that we know that ourselves. I have value because he made me and he died for me. If you feel you have to perform perfectly to feel valuable, then you'll tend to make others do the same. I'll say that again. If, if you tend to feel that you have to perform perfectly to feel valuable, then you tend to put that on other people and make them do the same. But actually, they can't and nor can you. <laughs> so, so all in the same boat. Or equally, we were all equally guilty. We can all, through Jesus, be equally forgiven, accepted, loved, and adopted into his value. So we honor ourselves because he valued us. How do we do that? Well, here's one that some people find difficult. Refuse to speak badly of yourself. So your self-talk. Now that's different to humility. Humility is me knowing that I can't offer much to the guys doing the electrics at the camp next week. We had a joke about it. They told me to clear off. That's fine. I, I can't. Why? That, that's humility. It's saying that you guys are the experts. I know nothing about that. That's, that, that's humility. I'm not very good at this. That, that's okay. That's a sober judgment. But, 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 but refusing, saying, well, I'm rubbish me, that's not humility. That's a lie. Do you, do you see the difference? So we may need to watch our self speak. How, how about another one? Can you receive praise and encouragement? Some people can't. They say, oh, you hear, about, you hear about the guy that congratulated the person playing the keyboard? So I said, I really enjoyed your playing this morning. I said, oh, it was just the Lord. He said, oh, who played the bum notes last week? <laughs> no, no, we need to be able to receive praise. Find some, you know, when someone catches you doing something right and well, then say, thank you. Thank you very much. That's that's all right. Later, you can give it to God. If they've put a crown on your head and said, well done, that was fantastic. That's great. You say, thank you very much. I mean, thank you for your encouragement. Then when you get before God, you do what the Bible says and you cast your crowns before him and you say, hey, I could only do that because you gave me the gifts. 
I can only do that because your grace is at work in my life. So it's, it's no great credit to me, it's all yours. But you receive the thanksgiving and then you give it on to the Lord. Do you see? Otherwise what we're saying is, oh, I'm still a nothing. Yeah, but you're a nothing who did that really well, so you're not a nothing. Do you see? So, so can you receive praise and encouragement? It's not false humility. It's not pride. It's just saying, thank you. Thank you. Glory to God. Well, thank you. See, we, do, we don't seek honor. It's important to get this. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 21, 21. You pursue the things that accidentally get you honor. You see what I mean? If you, when you, I, I once had a trainee who drove me batty because the only things he wanted to do were on a stage. And so we gave him lots of toys from the mother and toddler group to clean. God called him somewhere else. It's a mystery. But anyway, <laughs> so, no, see, if, if we're seeking honor, then we're seeking to be seen, seeking to be, you know, puffed up, seeking a position of um, profile and, and all the rest of it. Now, that, that's, that's not the right way around. That's not real honor anyway. It's just showing off a bit. Proverbs 21 says this, whoever pursues righteousness and life finds and love finds life prosperity and honor in other words we we pursue the things that lead to honor rather than honor we're not we're not pursuing oh please honor me please give me value please give me respect no we're doing the things that lead to that righteousness loving one another that's and then we find life we find honor it's a byproduct Here's the third, uh, or whatever number we're on. How do you honor yourself? Care for yourself. Some people find that difficult. The Bible says your, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you, you respect that. Look after yourself. I know it gets, you know, it's getting trickier as I get older, but there we go. But respect yourself. Go to the doctor is a good example. Thank you, Julie. It's a good one. Go to the doctor. Get some sleep when you need sleep. Don't take stuff that's going to poison your body. I don't mean go all, all obsessive about broccoli. Someone's got to live with you. But, but, but I mean, look after yourself. Don't put stuff in your veins that's going to poison you. That's, no, no, there's all sorts of issues around that. We still love and accept one another, by the way, when we're doing things that aren't good for ourselves. But look after yourselves. Get a bit of exercise. Sleep properly. Eat, eat as well as you can. Those kind of things are important. That's part of looking after yourself, honoring yourself. Okay, so we honor God, we honor one another. Here's the third one, and we're getting on to the welcome area now, is honor others. And there's just stacks in the Bible about honoring others. So I'm not, not going to look up all these verses, but they, they may be up, appear on the screen. You can take notes if you want. There's a list of people the Bible tells us to honor. Number one, honor parents in Exodus. Honor your father and mother. And actually, there's a promise attached to that. It will go well for you in life. Now, I know some of our moms and dads weren't as good as they could have been. Maybe if you had their life, you'd been rubbish as well. So, but find ways to honor them. Honor them doesn't mean to say they were fantastic when they're not fantastic. It means, God, they're the parents you gave me. I respect them. That's what it really means. Honor leaders. In Timothy, it says, leaders who do a good job are worth double honor. I don't know, even know what that means, but, you know, that's what it says. Employers. Mm, I'm dodgy ground now. Honor employers. It says, consider masters worthy of full respect. 
So you respect bosses. I know they come up with some funny old ideas, and if they really knew what your life was like, they wouldn't. I know all that stuff, and they don't know how long it takes to get from the canteen, and I know all that stuff. But we respect them. You can actually sometimes even disagree, but disagree respectfully. Say, thank you for that, just to, just to let you know this is a bit of an issue with some of the workforce, or whatever. There's ways of doing things respectfully. State leaders. Oh, that's interesting. Well, do you know when Peter said in 1 Peter 2:17 to honor the emperor or the king, I think it, some translations have, do you know who he was talking about? Nero. Now, if you know anything, Nero was using Christians for barbecue lighters. I mean, literally, he had them all down his drive, covered, coated with tar and lit up, and it was disgusting. So he was talking about a, lead, a state leader who was a psychopath. And saying to Christians, hey, you respect the emperor. Why? Because he's got a position of responsibility. So you don't, res- you don't respect him if and when and only he's doing a great job. You respect him because he's got a responsibility. Ooh. So, uh, we could go off on one now about what people put on Facebook, but I'll, I'll try and resist. But self-control is a good thing. You might have opinions, and we're entitled to our opinions. We can even express them, but let's express them with respect with honor, with value for the role that someone is trying to fulfill. Whether you think they're doing a great job or, or a less good job doesn't is not the issue. You respect them and value them. How about this one? I like this one. Can I like this? Honor the face of an old man with gray hair. How about that, Ken? Is that all right? It's good. <laughs> I think that's in Proverbs. I've got it written down there somewhere. Sorry, got the wrong bit of paper. Leviticus 19, not Proverbs. Stand up in the presence of the aged, literally the grey-headed, and show respect or honour to the elderly. Elderly. Some, some cultures do this much better than we do in the UK, where old people sometimes feel unvalued, somewhat shunted aside and ignored. So we could do, we could do better. Let's value. We, we respect. People that are older know a lot more about stuff than you think. They just, they just do. They've, they've lived a lot. They might, you might not agree with all their opinions, but you can, you can learn a lot. And, and just because they are older and have lived life and endured things that you haven't endured yet makes them worthy of respect and honor. How about this? Wives, 1 Peter 3 verse 7. Husbands, be considerate. Treat your wife with respect or honor. Uh, the marriage covenant itself, Hebrews 13 verse 4. Marriage should be honored, valued, respected, by all. And just as a catch-all, 1 Peter 2 verse 17, show proper respect to everyone. Just in case you aren't included in any of the other ones, got ya. <laughs> show proper respect, value everyone. Value the person that's different to you, racially, socially, economically, the way they dress, the way they may smell a bit. Value, value people. Show people respect. To everyone. Dignity, respect and value. Not based on their performance, but based on who God made them to be. That's what it's based on. Not based on how well they're performing, because they may be doing a terrible job, but you can still speak respectfully. Now, I know someone will say, what about challenging people then? Are, are you saying just be all namby-pamby with each other just be continually nice 
That's a bit bland, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, the Bible talks about challenging one another. Paul actually gave some specific instructions to Timothy. It's in 1 Timothy 5. He said this, when you challenge each other, talk to an older man like you're talking to a father with respect. Talk to a younger person like you're talking to a sister or a brother with respect. So when we have to challenge each other, we still do it respectfully. We still sometimes have to remind each other who we are. So, so for example, um, on sexual immorality, 1 Thessalonians 4 says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. You're, you're becoming more like Christ, more holy. And the will of God is you should avoid sexual immorality, that you control your own body in holiness and honor. What, he, what he's saying is, to avoid sexual immorality, you've got to honor your body. Actually, God has saved me and forgiven me. He's made this body to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I, I will, I, in honor, I'm better than this. Do you see what I'm saying? So, he, so the Bible pulls you up to be who you should be, who God made you in Christ. How, how different, isn't it? Do you remember the woman I was reading this morning, the woman caught in adultery? I don't know why the bloke wasn't brought in. But anyway, it takes two, I think, mathematically. But, but anyway, they brought the woman in, uh, wanting G- trying to trick Jesus, wanting Jesus to condemn her. Uh, and he very wisely says, okay, we'll do a stoning. All pick up your stones. The one without sin, you throw first. Sneaky, really. The one without sin, you, you, you throw first. And then he d- did this wonderfully balanced statement to her. She said, he said to her, isn't anyone condemning you? She said, no, no, sir, no one. And, and he said, and he said, then this, he said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. See, I, I'm not condemning you gives the emo- motivation to go and sin no more. He was calling her into who she was supposed to be. He wasn't saying, you're useless, you. You've been sleeping around again, haven't you? No, there was no, none of that tone of voice you could think of words he might have called her but he didn't do that she knew she'd she'd been caught in adultery she was expecting a stoning death condemnation guilt that was all coming her way he said no i don't condemn you but don't sin anymore gave her gave her the choice gave her the motivation to follow the one who had loved her and shown her such forgiveness so so we we honor we challenge each other but it's not you've been naughty although you might have been naughty, it's more, yeah, what you did is wrong, but you're too valuable to live this way. What, what you did was, was a big mistake and you need to, to repent, to say sorry to God and sorry to the person you did it against. That's fine, we can help you with that, but, but you're too, too valuable to live this way, too valuable to God. It's not what God's called you to anymore. It's not who you are in God. Do you see? That's a very different approach, isn't it? The Bible says, hey, if someone's caught in a sin, m- mash them. No, it doesn't say that. It says, restore them gently, remembering that you're vulnerable too. That's great, isn't it? That The object isn't to get someone and prove them wrong and whack them. The object is to say, hey, let's restore you to what you should be. Restoration is when you make something good again. When you make it what it should be, that's what we do when we challenge one another. And it's a good thing to do from time to time. But we're saying, hey, you're better than that. Let's get you to where you should be. Come on, let's do this together. 
I'm, I'm not always perfect either, but I'll try and help you. That's the objective. So how do we, how do we honor other people? Well, we can give thanks for the people in our lives. Don't know if you do that. It's quite, a, quite an interesting thing to do. You end up praying all sorts of funny things when you thank God for the people in your life. You can encourage others. I mean, it, some of it's our temperament, isn't it? But, but maybe some of us temp- temperamentally are more inclined to see what's wrong with a person or a situation than what's right. How about this? Catch someone doing something right and tell them. Say, thanks. I noticed that. That, w- that was great. Thank you. It, it real be, builds a, an atmosphere of encouragement. Learn to celebrate when others do well, even if you're not. That's quite hard, isn't it? When you're struggling and when you're struggling for something and someone else gets what you've longed for, that's quite hard. But it's a great discipline to celebrate when others do well. Learn from others. You can learn from pretty well anyone, you know. If you, if you just sit with them a while, you can, you know, even if you only learn what their life is like, you can learn, which will broaden you anyway. Affirm others, even when challenging them. Here's another one. Honor people even when they let you down, because you will probably let them down one day too. So you can honor people even when they let you. You can say, well, you let me down a bit there. But you can do it in a way that remembers that one day you'll let them down, or you've certainly let other people down. Honor them. Fight the urge to gossip. I don't think we got a lot of gossip. I'll tell you a secret about that. No, I won't. (laughs) Fight the urge. Gossip is toxic. Speak, get into the habit of speaking to people, not about people. And 80% of difficulties in all churches in the UK would vanish if we did that. Speak to people, not about people. I, I don't know about the 80%, because 75.8% of statistics are made up on the spot. But anyway, believe the best for people and of people. Now, that's probably the end of the sermon, but you know, we want to create more and more a place and a community where people are welcomed, don't we? So, so this teaching is just, it's just another sermon, I know, but it's, it's really important that we, we welcome people, not just because, well, someone gave me a green jumper and Richard went on about serving and I had to sign up for something, so I did that one. That I, I know that happens, I know, I'm, I'm not stupid. I know that happens that we think, oh, well, I, I definitely don't want to get there at 8.30, so I'll sign on for the welcome team because I don't want to make tea. I know that's the kind of thing that happens, but, but I just want to say to all those who do welcoming, you've got a really important job. And to those not on the welcome team, you've got a really wel- important job because I've been to churches where I get a really warm welcome on the door, come in and no one talks to me. That's just a, just a reality. And, that's part, and it gets a little bit more difficult as we get a bit bigger. So, so let's build an atmosphere where we value people because God made them. Jesus died for them. And actually, that works whatever number you are. You can, only, you can only probably know 15 or 16 people, five or six of them well anyway. So so we already don't know each other, really. We sort of know who people are, but we don't know them. So, so the thing is, if there's someone you don't know, treat them like someone that God created. Treat them like someone that Jesus died for because, well, he did. And if you don't know Jesus, just want to say he died for you. He loves you. He's looking forward to welcoming you to himself. Whatever mess 
you are in or might have been in. There's a story in the Bible of the one who'd made a complete mess of everything, running, and the father embraces him. And that's how he is. Let's pray together as the children come back in. Nice to see you, kids. Father, teach us to honor you in all we do. We thank you that you sent Jesus to die for us, Father. Thank you for your welcome. Thank you that you've made our bodies the very temple of your spirit. So we honor you. We ask for your help that you would help us to honor ourselves, to be wise the way we think and speak of ourselves, to look after ourselves, and to pay that forward to others that we meet. Pray that you teach us, lead us by your Holy Spirit to truly value the person that's just in front of us right now. And uh, keep helping us, Lord, to be a very welcoming church, welcoming to people of all nations, all socioeconomic backgrounds, all educational abilities. Teach us, Father, to be like you for the glory of your name. Amen. Let's just honor Richard. He's done a fantastic job. He's done. Thank you. I'm always so thankful that Rich and Debbie joined us many years ago and uh, have uh, been such a, Richard's teaching is just so great and so valuable. So do take that away with you and uh, really feed on it this week. Just a reminder, we're not um, meeting here next week or the Sunday after, so we'll be back here on June the 3rd. Um, hopefully see you over the next couple of weeks. Have a great week. Bye-bye.